Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, a.k.a. Triumvir Clio. Hello again. Welcome back. I'm breathing a little bit more easily today. I'm writing this the day after the election in the U.S. was called. Um, the good fight doesn't end with a new administration, but hopefully it will be a little bit easier of a fight. Um, and I hope that you are safe and well, too. Today, we have book 13 of the Odyssey. When we left off, Odysseus had finally finished telling the Phaeacians about everything that happened to him between the time he left Troy and the time he landed on their shore. Book 13 begins back in the Phaeacian Hall. Alcinous thanks Odysseus for his story and assures him that it will be smooth sailing from now on. He calls for his men to gather even more gifts for their guest, and everyone agrees and then goes home to sleep. In the morning, they load up a ship, sacrifice to Zeus, and say their farewells. Odysseus praises his hosts and wishes them well. He and the crew of Phaeacian sailors climb on board and set off. Exhausted from his ordeals and all-night storytelling sessions, Odysseus falls asleep. We've seen in the past that this is never a good thing, but there's an exception to every rule. As promised, the Phaeacians have smooth sailing all the way to Ithaca, and Odysseus is so deeply asleep that they manage to unload the ship and him without waking him up. Um, and then they sail home, which, you know, is a little weird, um, but maybe they tried to wake him up, or maybe they thought that he did, um, so... Like this one time, my brother and I had a whole conversation with our mom when we got home from a cast party, and it turned out she was asleep the whole time. Um, she talked to us. We had a conversation, but she she didn't remember any of it. So maybe it was like that, and they didn't just dump him on Ithaca and run, um, but they, they thought that he knew that they dropped him off. Anyway, Poseidon discovers that his beloved Phaeacians have taken his mortal enemy home and he is pissed. Zeus tells him to simmer down and asks what he wants to do about it. Poseidon suggests sinking the Phaeacian ship and putting a ring of mountains around Scaria so that the Phaeacians can never go to sea again. Um, Zeus says that sounds a little too extreme. Uh, maybe he should just turn the ship to stone when it's within sight of the harbor. Uh, that sounds good to Poseidon, so that's what he does. The Phaeacians are watching from the shore, waiting for the ship to return, and then they see it. And it's kind of weird that they decided to moor the ship so far from shore. And then they realize what's happened. And they maybe swear a little. Um, and Elkinoas reminds them of this prophecy that said one day they would give passage to someone Poseidon didn't like. And the vengeful god would respond by throwing up mountains around their island. And it looks like that's about to happen. So they make a huge sacrifice to Poseidon and vow to never take another castaway home. Meanwhile, on Ithaca, Odysseus wakes up and he's a little disoriented, which is understandable given how long he's been away and how he was just dropped off without a farewell. Oh, and Athena has shrouded him in mist to keep him safe, so that's kind of obscuring his vision a bit too. Um, he curses the Phaeacians who promised to bring him home, but let him off on this strange island instead. Athena lets him fret for a bit before she takes the form of a young shepherd and walks by. He asks her where he is, and she says, Duh, you're on Ithaca. Everyone knows that. 
Odysseus wants to laugh and cry at this news, but he knows better than to trust the first shepherd who comes by. He tells her that he comes from Crete. He killed someone, a man named Orsilochus, who had tried to steal his Trojan plunder. So now he's on the lamb, and the latest ship that he was on has marooned him here. Athena smiles and then changes form to a woman. She teases Odysseus about his story and praises how cunning he is. And then, in case he hadn't figured it out yet, she tells him that she is, in fact, Athena. And, like the Lady of the Lake in Spamalot, she says, I've always been with you, even though I've been off stage far too long. Okay, not exactly, but that's kind of how I picture this exchange. And here's why. Odysseus tells her that, yeah, she helped him a lot in Troy, but where the fork has she been the past ten years? And why should he still trust her? Athena laughs. This is what she loves about Odysseus. She claims that uh, she couldn't intervene on his way home because she was scared of Poseidon. And my aside on that is, since when is Athena scared of Poseidon? But that's what she claims. Anyway, to show that she's being truthful, she dispels the mist, and he is able to see Ithaca in all its glory. Then she helps him hide the treasure he has brought back from Phaeacia, and she tells him that for the past three years, a group of suitors have been trying to convince Penelope to marry one of them. Odysseus, understandably, fears a fate like Agamemnon's, but Athena reassures him that she'll be by his side to make sure he survives his homecoming. She says she'll transform him into a shape no one will recognize, a shriveled old man. She tells him to go to his swineherd first. He is a servant who has stayed faithful the past 20 years. And in case you're making a timeline as we go along, Athena then tells Odysseus that she has to go and fetch Telemachus back from Sparta. So the events in this book are at the same point in the timeline as the events in book four. She explains to Odysseus that she sent Telemachus off on his own little coming-of-age journey, and that some of the suitors are now lying in wait to kill him, so she has to go and prevent that. And with all of that, Athena does as promised, turns Odysseus into an old man, and flies off to keep Telemachus safe. And that is where Book 13 ends. Okay, I don't think we can get through this book without some discussion of liminality. You know you love it as much as I do. First of all, sleep is a liminal state. It is the space between life and death. Um, I may have mentioned that before, back when I first talked about the concept of liminality and liminal spaces, but I know that I didn't mention it when Odysseus's men kept doing stupid things when Odysseus was asleep. Shame on me. In this book, we finally have an instance in which Odysseus sleeping does not wreak havoc on his homecoming. Um, and if we take a very literary look at it, the liminality is strong in this one. Homer straight up compares Odysseus's sleep to death. Um, it's hard to get much more liminal in sleep than for it to be a death-like state. Um, and it's also interesting to note that this book is split pretty evenly between what happens to Odysseus and what happens to the Phaeacians. Um, and what happens to the Phaeacians is also very liminal. The prophecy states that Poseidon will throw mountains up around Scaria. And that's what Poseidon wants to do until Zeus talks him out of it. 
But when the Phaeacians realize that the ship has been turned to stone, they expect the prophecy to be fulfilled. It isn't. But they start living as though it will be at any time. They start living in a space between the action that will result in the punishment, but that actual punishment never comes. Um, so, <laughs> what do you think of the Odyssey now? We're only about halfway through, uh, so we still have a lot. We still have a lot to go. What What do you think is going to happen in the next eleven books? Pop over to the blog and share your thoughts. It's at triumvirclio.school.blog. The URL and maybe a link are in the show notes. On Friday, we will have a very short episode about the Homeric Hymn to Pan. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.